Welcome to B2B Podcast Stories brought to you by GHM Marketing. Our guest today is Seth Goldstein, the founder of Goldstein Media and the host of Entrepreneurs in Enigma. Seth is a seasoned entrepreneur and thoughtful leader known for his insightful perspectives on business, entrepreneurship, and technology. Today, expect to learn the significance of podcasting as a marketing tool, emphasizing brand awareness and content creation, discover how his podcast serves as a business acquisition tool to bring clients in, making their services more appealing, and explore the importance of persistence, organization, and having a game plan when running a podcast. Before we begin, please remember to subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. It really helps the show and we're going to keep bringing you amazing episodes with amazing guests and stories all about different ways a podcast can help your business. And with that, here's Seth. Seth, welcome on B2B Podcast Stories. Great to have you. How's it going, buddy? How you doing? Great, great to have you. Loving the Philly accent, loving a bit of that. Uh, oh, I'm loving the Sean Connery <laughs> accent. You know. It's Sean Connery, the Sean Connery, yo. Um, Podcasting. Oh, apparently so. I'm glad I still have the Scottish accent in me. Uh, the girls love it, so it definitely helps. I do yeah. a Braveheart impression as well. So, Seth, tell us about our freedom. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, I'm glad that everyone understands the Braveheart reference. That's uh, yeah. It's cool. So, tell me, Seth. Tell me about your podcast. Uh, what is it all about? And uh, what is it at today? I see you're over 205 episodes. That's amazing. Yeah, shocking. But it started out as a pandemic podcast project i was like i've been podcasting since 2010 doing various podcasts but this one was kind of been an entrepreneur since 2008 and i was kind of like well let me start pontificating about my experiences well that got boring really fast so i restarted the podcast at episode 11 started that made that episode one and then kind of dove into interviewing people i'm a former journalist so it kind of made sense that i could interview people talk about their entrepreneurial journey so Entrepreneurs Enigma was born during the pandemic, 2001-ish, being 2001, and we've had pretty big names on the podcast, Guy Kawasaki, Rand Fishkin, I mean, the names, some other names escape me, but we've had some pretty big names and some not so well-known names, but the, the high-power players. We had Brian Kramer actually on the program, which was fun. You call them from, not from Porto, so if you call them from Portugal, which is kind of cool, so. Super cool. It's, it's, it's fun. So it's, it's, it's about the journey of entrepreneurship and ups and downs that everyone faces. Because everyone thinks, oh, it's overnight success. It's overnight success 10 years in the making. Like, everyone's like, it was not as fast as it looks. It, it really isn't. I'm six year, 16 years into Goldstein Media, my main hustle. And it is not an overnight success. You yeah. know, people might say, oh, you're being so successful now. I'm like, I'm still, I'm still rocking and rolling. And if there's every day is a struggle somewhere. There's always a struggle boss, you know, that kind of thing. So I do it. hundred percent. I see you've had uh, Ian Truscott on. He was a uh, guest previously with us as well. And um, so indeed some really big names. How do you get Guy Kawasaki on your show? This is Rich Dad, Poor Dad, right? I actually For those talked, that, uh, I talked to his friend who was a lawyer that I had on the podcast. I met him through Lunch Club, which is a, like a networking event. Had him on the podcast. He said, hey, Guy Kawasaki should be on this program. I'm like, do you know him? He's like, yeah, I, I'll, I'll email him right now. And he emailed him. The guy's like, sure. I'm like, ah, Guy Kawasaki's on my program. That was the most nerve-wracking interview possible. I can imagine. He's walked off shows before. I remember there's a clip of him like walking off podcasts that are like um, under underprepared as well. So he's, a, he's quite a tough... Tough cookie. Tough cookie. He's a good guy. But, yeah. you know, it was like, it was like my podcast is 15, 20 minutes. 
you know, same three questions. I always tell them, I'm like, I'm not going to give them to you, but if you listen to the show, you'll be prepared. You know, and then they say, we choose a fad for the beginning. And then, you know, we just talk for the beginning, first 10 minutes, and then we go into the three questions, and then, then we're done. Nice and easy, you know. Interesting right. We don't have them. Exactly. You know, it's, it's just, it's easy. We don't have them aside. You know, guy you editing our stuff for us, we do it all ourselves. <laughs> I, I feel targeted. What about uh, digital marketing uh, dive? What's what's that all about? You have two, right? You've got 86 episodes there as well. Yeah, that was the one we did. I did three seasons of that prior okay. to Entrepreneur's Enigma. And that was fun. Yeah, I always had a co-host. Every season was a different co-host, different co collaborator with me. And that was fun. We had Rand on that as well. And, you know, we had some pretty big names on the digital marketing side but it kind of got stale after a little while and the like, 86 episodes fine you know we put it on the marketing podcast network so it's still up there and we might come back to it at some point but it was just like i can only do one podcast at a time <laughs> and run a business and run a newsletter i run the marketingjunto.com newsletter which is a, which is a marketing newsletter every wednesday so i, I have a lot of love irons in the fire so so, I mean, coming back to, I mean, 206 interviews on the Entrepreneurs Enigma podcast and some big names in there, like we said as well, what has been like the progression of finding guests to come on the show? A typical, the typical journey that most podcasters go through is that at the very start, they're cold emailing, they're cold messaging, maybe they're tapping into their network. Um, but then very quickly, it becomes into its own flywheel, right? You start getting guests yeah. recommending other guests. You get people reaching out to you. Some people form these alliances. You guys different... emailing us all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, have, uh, you have some people form alliances with PR agencies, and they're just bringing yeah. them guests all the time. Like, what's, what was that it. like from the start to today? What was that progression from like? From the start, I always, I always had a big network. I, I've been at this for 16 years, so I just tapped my network. I went in there and said, hey... Will you be on my show? Will you be on my show? Will you be on my show? And everyone was always like, sure. Free publicity, you know, to get a clip, to get, you know, seen. It's, it's, it, no one, everyone likes to talk about themselves. Everyone's while they get someone who wants to talk about themselves, but they have like one word answers and you're like, oh my God, it's like pulling teeth. But, um, but ultimately then, you know, people start finding you, like you guys found us and said, hey, would you like to have this person on or have this person on? And sometimes they're the right fit, sometimes they're not. And then it's sort of like, you know, just kind of figure stuff out, you know? And then eventually there's a flywheel where it's, you're known and you can say like, yeah, Entrepreneurs in the does not have a very big listenership, but of the listeners, there's maybe like 30, 40 people listen to it every episode or listen to an episode per episode, unless I put it into something like Malpod and then it advertises for me, which is a really neat service. But um, ultimately it just, you know, you don't have to be a huge podcast to make you successful. A lot of people are like, oh, I want to be, you know, Tim Ferriss or I want to be Joe Rogan. You're not going to be. You're just not going to be. If you can get 100 listeners a, a week to your podcast, it's awesome. But you have to find out another way. If you try to make it big in podcasting, it's not going to work for you. If you want to use podcasting as a tool beyond other people's podcasts, as a marketing tool, have your own podcast as a marketing tool. That's how podcasting needs to work. People say podcasting's dead. It isn't. It's just it's not NPR, which is National Public Radio here in the states. It's not public. It's not the BBC. It's not buttoned up. You know, if it's, and honestly, podcasts are too buttoned up. You can tell. There's no ums or ahs in there. It's like well, that's not natural. 
it's a conversation. And people listen to the conversations and they're fun because there's gaffes, you know, people fall off their chairs, microphones go off, you know, it's like, what the heck happened here? You have to have a good editor or you have to be a good editor to put up with the, the craziness. So, yeah, I mean, a couple of things you touched there. Um, one of the guys that was one of our very early podcast coaches, Mike Richard, who was actually the first guest on this show as well, but he was a, he was a good friend of ours from the previous show that we had. Um, and uh, one of the things he said was like, imagine you had a hundred people in a room in front of you listening to you every single week. That's what Terrifying. having a hundred, <laughs> that hundred percent. So actually it's, that's a great point. Never thought of it like that. Podcast is a great way to get over the social yeah. uh, anxiety of having 100 people in front of you yet still having 100 people in front of you but imagine having 100 people listening to you every single week we scoff at 100 downloads a week but if that's 100 consistent people you're in their ear for 20 minutes in your case up to an hour in other cases every single week yeah. like that's gold dust in a lot of instances as well but i think it just is. because social media is so massively awareness. scalable i think we scoff a little mm -hmm. bit at 100 downloads which in the grand scheme yeah. of things, isn't that much, but put it in perspective, it's huge. Yeah, I mean, if one person converts into a customer, or picks up, a, picks the, you know, or knows your name because you have a podcast that they enjoy listening to, it's great because you know it turns into a eventual deal, or they know someone who knows someone who knows someone who knows someone, and then you eventually get so far down the line that you don't know how they found you, but you know you assume it's from something you did. So now you mentioned their podcasting as a marketing tool. So tell yes. us about the different ways that you've experienced podcast as a marketing tool. Well, first of all, it's brand awareness. It's getting out in front of people, having content, you know, making content's a pain that took us. It's a pain. It's a real pain. So if you're doing a podcast, you enjoy it, there's content. You know, you can clip it up, put it in Minvo or whatever they call themselves lately. It used to be Memento, now it's Minvo or Cast Magic or any of these other tools. And it cuts up your stuff for you and finds good clips that you might not normally find and post them on social media before your podcast and say, this is coming up on X day and all that stuff. But as a marketing tool, it's great because it's brand awareness. Number one, it's also a way to get in front of people that you want to be clients with you or where you want to work with, or they want to work with you. Either have them on as guests or they know about you and they're like, well, this guy needs his stuff. I want to hire him to X, Y, Z. Or it's just a good way to have a reason to reach out to people. Like if you want to talk to guy Kawasaki, oh, that was, that's a bad example because I had to know someone who knows guy Kawasaki because guy Kawasaki is guy Kawasaki. I'm getting really good at saying his name really fast too. Um, but like Rand Fishkin, I, you can reach out to him and Rand is the most amazing guy out there and have him on the show. And I have a reason. I mean, I know him for, know him for years. We're both in the same industry. But most people, you know, he'll go on your show if he's like, hey, your podcast, I'd love to talk to you about what I'm doing with SparkToro or he's a game development company. He's developing a game right now, which is kind of cool. So, no, indeed. multiple ways to market it. So 100%. I mean, even Guy Kawasaki, maybe if you had said, hey, Guy, can I have a 15-minute coffee with you? He probably would have not replied to your message, even if that was through a friend of a friend, right? But it was like, hey, yeah. Guy, let's have a win-win a, a scenario here. I'd love to talk to you, pick your brain, get your input yeah. on these three questions that I ask all my guests. But yeah. you have a very unique perspective. Uh, unless he said, hey, go into debt. I'm sure that was the answer to at least one of those three questions. Was it not? Uh, <laughs> please, I plead the fifth. I plead the fifth. <laughs> have to listen to the episode to find out. Uh, yeah. uh, smart marketing. So, I mean, like having, just being able to have that 15 to 20 minute conversation, like 
you wouldn't have had that if you didn't have the podcast, most likely, right? Yeah. Because with all due respect, who are you in front of Guy Kawasaki? But you, with a oh, podcast, right. is someone to Guy There's Kawasaki. There's some value there. There's exactly. some value there. There's an exchange of value. I think that's a very important way of putting it. That's a great way of putting it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that's super cool. I think that's typically what we say is there's three main benefits to having a podcast. One is definitely the brand awareness that you get from it, yeah. from the podcast itself. The other one is as a content machine for your social media, mm -hmm. for your other acquisition channels. We always say that you can't have a podcast by yourself. You need to have a podcast and then a way to market your podcast. That could be through yeah, a specific yeah, social media channel. Correct. Because the algorithms aren't really going to push you that much until they see that you're getting external traction yeah. from somewhere else. And then, uh, indeed, like you said there, as a means of reaching out to potential clients and saying, hey, come on my show, and then being able to build rapport with them. Hopefully, by the end of the podcast, they know you, they like you, and they trust you. If they don't, then you have bigger issues to start with, right? Yeah. So then maybe the podcast is yeah, the go back problem. to the drawing board a little bit on that exactly. one. Exactly. Yeah. But if it's just like, hey, look, I know I have something of value, and I know that if yeah. I could just get into a room with these people, they would be able to, I'd be able to build some trust and rapport. Podcast is a great means to reach out to them and say, Absolutely. hey, look, come on the show and uh, let's see, let's have an interesting conversation. And, yeah, and what's worse is that they have become a client, whatever, you have a contact. You connect with them on LinkedIn, you, exactly. they, follow your, they follow you, you follow them. You never know when that's going to come down the road and they need your services. So, 100%. Last week's guest, Tom, uh, said something really interesting as well, where he said, look, uh, it's also just a great way that you build out your network and your contact list yeah. but then as oh a God, way yeah. for you to give value to the next guest like you're on the show right now if you're like hey you know i've really been struggling with this i can say oh hey i know a guy called mike let me put you in touch there's an instant mm -hmm. way that i can provide you value as well which it's a relationship play 100 percent. and in the grand scheme of the universe the more you give the more you get back and um, mm -hmm. you shouldn't give to take but you should know that by giving is a really good way to get as well out of the world. It's good karma. It's good karma, yeah. It's good karma indeed. So if there's any way, Seth, if I can help you at all, if you're looking for, if you have any specific problems, Always. please do let me know. More than happy to use our contact as well to help you Same out. Same here, buddy. Well. Same here. Super cool to know that as well. So tell me more about like how you managed to stay consistent with 206 episodes, um, especially with the viewership didn't really cross like a hundred committed. I'm sure there's more than that. I'm sure you're being very yeah. humble right now, but a lot of people feel a little bit unmotivated, demotivated by the fact that yeah. look, I'm, I'm, I've done 200 episodes and this is all that's grown. I'm seeing Seth Rogen. I'm seeing he's at a thousand. If I look at my trajectory, I'm not going to hit that. No, yeah. I'm not going to hit anything interesting by the time we get to a thousand episodes. What's kept you motivated if it wasn't the viewership? It's the connections I make. It's the networking. I'm very big on networking. My whole business is Gold City has been based on, on being a networker and meeting people and connecting with them in that way. So that's the reason why I do this. It's secondary. I hate to say this, but my, my listeners are second, secondary. I'm using it as a business acquisition tool as a reason to chat with somebody who's like, oh, I know somebody, know somebody, know somebody. Yeah, that's the reason why I do this. Mm. I mean, originally I started because I, I wanted something to do during the pandemic in addition to my business. But it morphed into this. I was like, how can I make this worth it? More, more worth it. Because I mean, I'll be perfectly honest. I mean, even NPN, the marketing podcast network, is great to be on the network and have some ads, you know, which makes it more legitimate and stuff. I'll tell you right now, I ain't making bank on NPN. I mean, Jason will be the first one that Jason Falls will be the first one to admit it. We're not making bank, but we're, you know, so I'll get $300 every three months or something like that. But you know, whatever. I'll then boost something on Malpot or something like that. So. 
-hmm. It's worthwhile. I mean, it's good because the camaraderie, you learn together, you grow together. And so being on a network's nice. 100%. So tell us a little bit about um, Goldstein Media. So you guys are a digital marketing agency. You guys do SEO, web design, social media, email marketing. So what, tell us more about the agency itself. How did that get started? Well, that got started. I was a journalist for six years out of college. I went to the University of Delaware. Burned out of that massively. I had been doing websites on the side as a side hustle since 98. My wife was like, well, you need to do something else. And I'm like, thanks. Thanks, wife. Um, so she's like, why don't you get, you know, you've been doing websites on the side. Why don't you make it, we start a business, we get things rocking and rolling, do this to get a job because you need the experience to get the job, how you get the experience instead of, you know, getting a job, the cyclical kind of thing. So 16, that was 16 years ago. And I'm still doing Goldstein media. I had briefed in corporate America when my son was born in 2012, 2013, learned I do not like corporate America. Sorry guys. I'm not a big fan of corporate America, I'm a fan of corporate anything. I mean, I honestly, goes to me, we do not work with corporate, corporate clients because they might be, you know, big money, but they are paying to work with because everything is done by committee. Everyone has to check things off. Things are slow. I'm not sure they do with the SMBs, more mid-sized businesses, but you know, definitely not corporations, enterprise, not, not my cup of tea. Hmm. Yeah. I can remember, so the job never came at the end of it. It became a job or business. It became a job, itself. it became a career and I, and I love every minute of it. I mean, there's ups and downs. Like the whole po the whole podcast is about that. You know, the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. There's years that I don't make that much. Uh, I'd be better off working in corporate America. There's other years I'm making bank, and I'm like, that's great. You know, so they kind of offsets themselves. You know, it, and it works. Hmm. No, hundred percent. That's the thing about entrepreneurship that I think a lot of people maybe don't, especially when you go from go from the job side to the entrepreneurship side, mm -hmm. is the stress tolerance you need to be able to manage the ups and downs. I think that's been my experience, yeah. at least. I, I came from corporate America on the European side, but it was an American company as well. Oh, so you're actually from corporate America, uh, corporate uh, America, Europe, yeah. Corporate America, Europe, and Asia, actually. I, I did, a, I did oh. a year in Japan with EMA. corporate America, oh, uh, Asia cool. Pacific, indeed. And so I can understand, like, there's the stability. It's it's really nice to just have that. There's not stability anymore either. There's no stability anymore. There's no, there's no gold watch at the end of the rainbow at, the, at these jobs anymore. Hmm. Indeed, but then at the same time, entrepreneurship's uh, it's the the. I mean, me and my business partner Guillaume, what we say always to each other is our business is a direct reflection of our mental well-being, our mental state, right? It is. So a lot of the time, we need to look after our mental health to look after the business. And we Absolutely. hold each other accountable for that. We say to each other, look, man, I think you need a break. I'm happy to carry a bit more load for now. Guillaume said it to me. I've said it to him and say, look, uh, we need uh, we need to be fully switched on to be top notch in our business yeah. as well. Um, exactly. But that's stress you tolerance. Know, so. You need to know when to take a break. You need to know when to take a break. Yeah, because you don't know when the next paycheck is going to come. You don't know if the next one's going to be as big as this one. You could lose a client tomorrow and then that instantly impacts you. Like you don't have the, you've got mm -hmm. all the risk and all the reward in a way. And it's it's the ultimate ultimate amount of commission. It's yeah, like, no, you, you, it's commission. Hmm. You or you you eat what you kill, or you eat what you service. You don't oh, kill your 100%. clients. That would be kind of counterproductive. <laughs> so. well, it depends what business you're in. Uh, I'm sure in SaaS that's business, true. that's kind of the idea as well, right? You don't want to kill uh, your clients. You want to kill uh, their their uh, their clients. You're still kind of not getting paid. So there's the euthanasia business. Some parts of Europe. There you go. Oh, there you go. So yeah. look, there's always. You do kill your clients. <laughs> then you do kill. Your... Well, really fast. <laughs> 
you know, like, so I had a, I'll tell you a little bit of story about that. So our other podcast set is uh, Corporate Treasury 101. It's all about oh. corporate treasury. So we work a lot with corporate America because treasury departments only exist in large companies. Um, so yeah. we, we know that we know the struggle of the approval committees and everything there as well. Having worked in corporate America, yeah. we kind of know how to jump the hoops, I guess, as well. So it's all about treasury and it's, it's all about financial risk management and everything like this. And that's kind of what we've right. done 200 plus episodes in somehow. And wow. the, exactly. yeah, we had, we've had, we've met fans of the show, you know, at conferences, we've interviewed, we've had fans of the show that reached out and then had them as guests and, and all that. And one of them said to me, man, Hassan, that episode you did where you went through the example of a drug dealer and how they managed their cash. Like that stuck with me. And I was like, man, I completely forgot about that. That was like episode 60. Completely forgot about that. So you never know, these tangents, people do appreciate them as well. So So occasionally you do kill your clients. So So occasionally there's a business out there where that is necessary indeed. That is also people. So trying to keep it more, less morbid. Um, That's morbid, yeah. Come back to Goldstein Media for me, Seth, where you don't kill your clients (laughs) and you you help your clients We love our clients. We do not kill our clients. We make them money. Exactly. 100%. So what's been the relationship with the podcast and the agency? So you mentioned one of those was mainly the uh, client acquisition, right? Yeah. Ballpark it for us. How many clients have you gotten at your podcast? Two or three. I mean, it's it's not a lot. It's more the connections. And maybe Mm -hmm. I've gotten more indirectly from that, directly from the client, from the the client, from the, from the, the, the guest and more. And then got clients from the guest to say, hey, go talk to Seth. Mm-hmm. than directly the, the guests themselves. So of the guests themselves, I've got two or three that have become clients of mine because they are interested in what I do. Mm-hmm. Others, I, I do know a few that have come from the podcast saying, hey, I follow this because brother said Brian Kramer is on the show. And I realized, hey, I want to, you know, I need to, will you offer Seth? Let's go. I mean, I, it's, it's very soft pitch. Mm-hmm. At the very end of the show, it says, Goldstein, you hope you enjoyed this episode. It's only time it's branded for Goldstein Media. Until then, it's all entrepreneurs enigma. Mm-hmm. I also put a really hard word to spell, as you can see from my hat. <laughs> I put an extra R in there, and I, I carved it out of my hat. Because you can't, entrepreneurs in Guillermo would appreciate that. It's French. Yeah. And they like to put extra letters and stuff. It's awful. Right? And, and half of them are silent. Uh, no. It's, it's, I have this, we, we have this color, debate. But you color. also put U's in color. So. Uh, <laughs> Hey, okay, look, it's it's English from England. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah, pick this really... I'm gonna pick this brain right now with the American on yeah. the show. Alright? Like English originated in England, so I think whatever we say is right. I mean you guys need to have there's oh, a really funny there's a really there's a really funny Hey, okay, we then like our tea as well. Right? Then, then there's the Scottish. Scottish. We we don't we barely speak English. Trust me, we've adopted it from them as well. <laughs> like, You're like our Louisiana. Uh, exactly, hundred percent Louisiana of the UK. So there's a really funny skit, uh, skit sorry, by Michael McIntyre about yeah. uh, the American English words of uh, British English. So it's things yeah. like what we call pavement, you call sidewalk. We we call like trash can, or we call it sorry a bin. You'll call it like waste paper basket or something like this yeah no like, we'll call it trash can you trash have to can, be like know. incredibly descriptive of all of the words that you that you use as if the word you pavement also, you also use some pretty offensive words from some innocuous things like fag is a cigarette <laughs> <laughs> like, let's not get started on and, uh, okay, and okay, it's okay, okay. Thursday, Touché. next thursday Touché. 
see you next Thursday is not as offensive over there as it, it, it's, it's a greeting. <laughs> they were greeting over there. Term of endearment over here is like, oh my God, I can't believe you said that. See you next Thursday. That's offensive. No. What's that? The C word. The C word. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> hey, look, I mean, that's Australian as well. The Australians love the C word. The oh, British Australians don't really mind weird. the C word. Like, I mean, Americans, all we, we, we got our pennies in a bunch. Nah, you know? <laughs> we, came from, we came from the Puritans. Go figure. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's get back to podcasting, Seth. Back so, to podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> so. I, I completely agree with you. So you've got the direct customer acquisition. I mean, I'll be, yes. I can be very straight as well. Like this podcast itself uh, of the past 11 guests that are live at the point of recording here, two of them already turned into clients, right? Wow. So like we're, we're already up there as well in terms of the conversion. Now it was quite early. A lot of them were kind of part of our network. We kind of knew already. We got them on the show and we were able to close them close very, very deal, soon yeah. afterwards. Indeed. Yeah. Podcasting, I mean, if it's not directly just an, a way of reaching out to say, hey, look, here are my services, at the very least, it makes you likable. Yes. And, that's, and it gets the person to know you. I mean, I think we all know, especially if you're selling something of value, we like to think that we're selling something of value in general. Yeah. What we feel like we, we fall short on is people don't know that what we have is valuable, right? So especially if you have something valuable, and I think a lot of the time with us, especially Guillaume and I, our personalities is what makes us valuable as well like people like working with us we like working with people we enjoy what we do we're very passionate about podcasting i see that with you as well you're a very personal person seth uh, i think the more i get to know you the more i'm like oh yeah i do want to know oh, what good. seth is offering and i'd love to work with seth because a lot of the time especially oh, when you're a business owner you realize it's not just the service it's who you're working with as well mm -hmm. and how easy are they to work with how likable are they to work with and a lot of the time when you're running your own business you you care who you're working with. You care the person yes, on the other side of absolutely. it. You care, can I trust this person? Does this whole person hold values you know, that like I hold? trust factor, yeah. 100%. And that's, that kind of rapport, podcasting is a great way to do it. Now, you can do that over time. And what you said there was really interesting as well. It's not just through the guests that you have on the show. Of the 200 episodes, if 100 people are listening to, I've listened to, let's say, 60% uh -huh. of those 200 episodes, 200 plus episodes that you have, those people know you. You might not know yeah. those people. Have you ever met a fan? Like, oh my randomly? god, it, yeah. I mean, I, I all all the time. I mean, in the local area, people are like, "Said I listened to your podcast, but you did." Okay, great. Wow. Oh, that's kind of unnerving. <laughs> and then they're, and then they're like, "Seth, uh, how's it going? You moved house. How was that?" And you're like, "Why do you know yeah. that I moved house? Are you stalking me?" It's like, "No, no, no. That person knows you." That person has listened. They know you exactly. To, they trust you. Know, like, and trust exactly. They've listened to a hundred hours of you, Seth, on average. That's terrifying, right? Like hundred hours. Anyone who wants to listen to hundred hours of Seth, God, God bless them. <laughs> bless their hearts as they yeah. stay down in the south. And but they know you, right? And a lot of times yeah. uh, we speak to podcasters. I mean, most people that have been the show are are around the same age range as you, the two hundred plus mark with their podcast. Yeah. And they say like, when I meet fans, like they come up to me as if they know me. And there's a very like weird one-sided relationship here that mm -hmm. that's almost there that that person knows you and they treat you like they're familiar with you. And like, they're like, this is- They are. Long, which they are. And you're not familiar you're with not them. You're not familiar with them. You don't know who them from Adam. <laughs> and it's a really weird relationship that you build. But the business mind of that is that person knows you. Exactly. They mean that you put in business as well. So even if you don't know them, people listening to you, they're getting to know you. And 
they build that know, like, and trust with you just from listening to so many hours. Very of it important. Well. Very important. That's probably the most important thing about the podcasting is that it's mm -hmm. a know, like, and trust factor. Absolutely. Another thing, I think it's something that actually you and I are more appreciated from guests on the show, um, which is also, by the way, one of the beautiful things about having a podcast is how much you learn. It's mm -hmm. like even on a topic that you're an expert on, like we're a podcast agency. We run podcasts. We manage podcasts for clients. We've had our own podcasts. Yeah. We still learn about podcasts from talking to other podcasters oh. on this show. One thing that um, one of our, a couple of our guests have said now is that as soon as they sign clients, they bring them on the show as also yeah. like an instant value proposition to them as well to say, hey, look, come That's on the show. Clever, yeah. You get some exposure, especially digital marketers, right? You get some exposure yeah. to my thing uh, and we get to build more rapport as well. And yeah, it's a, it's a good idea. I haven't done that. You know, yeah, yeah. You know. I'm getting pickier and pickier and pickier with who I have on because I'm like, it, this is the demand. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, personal injury lawyers, nothing against them, but I don't, it's, I get entrepreneurs and entrepreneurial because ambulance chasers, but not really the person that I want to talk to. Mm. Like yeah. I want to talk to the entrepreneur who's in the high tech sector or who's in the healthcare sector, who's doing different fun, wacky things. So that's a journalist to me. Yeah, you know, is there a story there? Yeah, hundred percent. That's that's an interesting lesson as well for for listeners. So how do you at the start you can't be picky, right? I guess that's no, not really. Yeah. You got to take everybody. You need to fill up the docket. You, I mean, the, one of the golden rules of podcasting is don't miss a week, right? Be consistent. Like just you miss a started. week, it becomes to just get started. Get people on. Start having the conversations. As you mm -hmm. mature in your podcasting career, I guess you understand what your avatar is. Like, who are you actually trying to talk to? What was that journey like for you? Where did you start? And how did you kind of figure out who it was you wanted on the show? It's kind of interesting because I knew, I mean, I'm very well connected in the marketing space and in entrepreneur space. And I was like, I knew people who I, I could get on. Like, even some big things, I knew I could get them on. But then it was more like, but I didn't have the strategy of like, oh, because those people who I can get on are not necessarily their, their fodder. I mean, in the nicest way possible, but they're fodder for getting more people listening to the show. But they're not necessarily converted to clients for me, but they're going to be a good conversation. But then there's ones that are good clients for me that I want to talk to that make sense. And it's like, and it's so eventually build up the courage to go in the ads to actually ask people to be on your show that you don't know right off the bat. So that mm. works so well. It's just easy to kind of to grow up here, honestly. It's like more being more eloquent, but yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. You gotta you gotta step out. You gotta be able to ask, right? The worst things they say no or not right now. Mm. And no saves you time and not right now means check with them in a month. Yeah. Hundred percent. I mean and that's a that's a business lesson, I'm sure. I mean yeah, what have you learned from what have you learned from your podcast? Like what has been like some of the biggest entrepreneurship lessons you learned from the guests on your show? Oh my God. I mean, one of my biggest questions is about what they carry with them all the time. And sometimes they're surfacy, they're like, it's, you know, and that's a big question. So people don't, don't remember that I gave you that question because you're not supposed to know that one. But yeah, but that question, I've get really woo woo answers that are really deep and philosophical. And then I have ones like my phone. But then they, sometimes it's my phone and then it gets philosophical on why it's their phone. And sometimes it's just their phone because they like to play, play Tetris. Yeah. And then I sit there, I'm like, anything else? <laughs> anything else more woo-woo? I need something better than your phone because you like to play Tetris. Yeah. And it's surprising who comes up with what. When you think you're going to have someone who's going to say like the Tetris game on their phone, 
and become about something very philosophical. And others that are like big names are like my phone. I can't live without it. I'm like, well, that's great, but give me something more. Like, come on, come on, come on. Yeah, that kind of thing. So. Mm. That's interesting. How do you get people to open up like that? Like, because the woo-woo, I guess not everyone's always, you can make your phone very deep. You can say it's my phone because, you know, I always want to be on call with my daughter calls yeah. me randomly. She's three years old. She just learned how to pick up the phone and call me. And it just, it just makes my day when they call me, for example. Like that's one woo example. Yeah. But not everyone's willing to share that instantly. Do you have any... I have people at ease. I, I mean, I went to. I mean, I'm. A, I'm. A, I'm a, I think I have a benefit. I'm a trained journalist. I was. I was a credited journalist, professional journalist for six years. So it kind of comes naturally to me to just kind of put people at ease. Like I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I tell people this is not Barbara Walters. It's not Diane Sawyer. It's not 2020. All U.S. You know, shows and stuff. But you know, I'm not gonna grill you. It's not mm. 60 minutes. Yeah, this is a. This is a surface conversation share insights and stuff like that it's not hard it's not gonna be hard-hitting journalism it's a feature story essentially is what it is hmm. to get to know you kind of thing and there's just as much in it for them as there is for you right i guess yeah. that's an important part of it as well yeah if they did a research they know it's coming hmm. you know, a lot of people ask me can i have the questions ahead of time i'm like no but if you think about it i do give them the ahead of time because if you listen to the podcast you're prepared you have to prepare that much. Just listen to one episode. Pick a good episode. They all have the same question. If, if I did my job right that day and I didn't forget one, hasn't <laughs> happened that much in 20, 205 episodes. I mean, there's been a few where you know, I, I did one, two, I've done two repeat guests. I don't generally repeat guests in 205 episodes. There's been some reruns. I've done a few reruns, but I don't really repeat interview people, but there's two. Zave Smith is a, doing a new fun my backyard doc, docu series about around Philadelphia, so I had him on. And Brian Hufford, who's on um, LinkedIn, he was episode four. I just had him on. He's coming out in in a, in a month. Um, but that was those are fun because things have changed in people's lives, so it's kind of nice to go back and see what's up and how things have changed. So, hundred percent. It's constantly have... constantly evolving. Yeah. Have you seen the what's been the biggest change you've noticed? Like, have you seen someone go from? A nobody to a unicorn or anything like this? Not that so much, but I've seen a lot of people change jobs or have gone from a side hustle to it now is their main hustle and they're doing well well with it, they're doing good. Or they're, you know, struggling but they're they're, they're keeping their head above water and they're rocking and rolling, you know. And it's it's nice to revisit every once in a while, so hundred percent. If you could say there was three things that are uh, vital to your success, Seth, in the podcasting mm -hmm. sphere, what would those be? Persistence, persistence and persistence. No, persistence <laughs> is definitely one of them. Having kind of a game plan of how you want to go about your show. And then persistence, I, I, I honestly have to say, is, it takes a lot of persistence. And organization, actually, those are the three. Persistence, having your show planned out kind of what loosey-goosey a little bit and then having you know having goals i think is really important so totally. that was like 15 reasons not three but yeah what's what does persistence mean to you what do you mean by persistence like concretely for someone starting out a podcast it's being regular i mean it's really like sitting down and just doing the podcast the first three are gonna stop dude the first three are gonna stop every single one of them were, were atrocious still publish them. Get them out to the world. Don't hold on to them. Get them out there, and 
go on to the next one, go on to the next one, go on to the next one. It's not the BBC, it's not NPR. I mean, you listen to these big name podcasts like Joe Rogan, he's smoking weed on his podcast to cry out loud. There's nothing serious about Joe Rogan. Now, all the Joe Roganese are going to come after me, but like, there isn't. He's going to interview sometimes, other times he's a schmuck. So there you go. It's reps, but, right? It's number of reps rep. that you're doing. It's like going to the gym. It's like going to the gym. You just got to get, so get better at it. I mean, I've been podcasting since 2010, different podcasts. Some have lasted three episodes. Some have lasted six. This one lasted 205. Like, it's amazing. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's, honestly, it's the same thing everyone says every single time. And we're never going to get sick of saying it because we're being consistent in being, saying you need to be consistent. The <laughs> idea of like, trying to like ideally never missing a week right because you miss one week you miss two you miss three some a lot not that many people have the ability to be able to bounce back like that right and if you can't then great yeah. but making sure that you are getting episodes out on a consistent yeah, and basis you weekly to bi-weekly and yeah, if you okay. give you bi-weekly do monthly hmm. i wasn't any farther than monthly i mean i was in twice a week because i had so many in the hopper i was thinking about tuesdays and thursdays and this week is the first one we're going back to just weekly. So I made an announcement. We're just going back to weekly. Deal with it, people. Like I can't, I can't keep up with it with that pace. Mm. Having it twice a week, mm. you know. Eventually, I'll have a big, you know, backlog and we'll go back to twice a week. You know, it's because I don't want to have things go stale. Mm. So at one point, they were going through like five months worth. I had a five month month runway, and that was ridiculous. So I started putting out, you know, Thursday episodes. So it was like these have to get out, otherwise they're gonna be really stale. And it's not fair to anybody. Hundred mm, percent. So I and it consists. So you said persistence. You said uh, organization. What do you mean by that? Yeah. It's having a spreadsheet. Honestly, I, I have something in Notion where I'm constantly updating. Like I did this show. It's on editing. It's where where is in the process. Staying organized, knowing what shows are coming out next week. Don't just like, record and say, "Oh, it's get out whenever it gets out." No one's gonna listen to your show. Mm-hmm having a process so that's really good yeah and then what was the third one that you said as well so you said it was persistent persistence is going to be cute but <laughs> um organization and i really just i really do think it's persistence i think it's persistence internally it's persistence the first one's persistence outwardly to get the people on the show the other one's persistence with yourself to know that you've got to keep this up to, up to date you've got to rock and roll with it and stuff like that it's internal persistence Stay on top of yourself. Hundred percent. So I think that's that's the organization element's interesting. Not many people have brought that up. I think that's yeah. probably just I guess part and parcel. It needs to be there. Um, but uh, back to the persistence point where you said about look, the first three are going to suck. I argue more than my first three sucked. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're doing really well. I was just your I've been first three. For a while. Yeah. Yeah, but. They're going to suck, but the beauty of it is as well, no one's listening to the first three either. No, right? no with them. And <laughs> so do a trailer. Do a yeah. trailer. Put that up there first. That, you know, nice blend up trailer. Then you have the first three or five that suck, whatever, they're in there. You go back eventually and listen to them like, oh my God, that was atrocious. Mm-hmm. 100%. Like the first one, Digital Marketing Dive is out there. It was an echoey room, bad audio. Oh, it was awful. <laughs> it's up there. If you want to go look at Digital Marketing Dive, on NPN, marketpodcast.net. It's up there somewhere. I haven't taken it down. I won't. It's history. 
I mean, a lot of my podcasts when I when I'm done hosting them on on you know, with it, now now Jason you know hosts the the server or megaphone and all that, but like the uh, past podcasts, I when I take them off the RSS feed eventually and retire them, I put them on archive.org. I give it to the archive and say, hey, here's all my shows. So I have my podcast archived with Brewster Kale because I'm like it, it's history. If you don't put it up there, it doesn't exist anymore. Hmm. Or it does, nothing on the internet goes away. But, like, you, you can control your quality if you put your own stuff up there. Yeah. I mean, we also find that, I mean, usually the first episode's the one that's going to have the most downloads long long term. Because, like, so much of podcasting is just long tail. Like, that podcast stays up, like you said. And then a lot of the time, people, when they come on your show, they go to episode one. And they go and look at what episode one was. It's so unfortunate. You wish they wouldn't. <laughs> and you hope they don't judge you on episode one. And they listen to, hopefully, yeah. the newest episode. And then maybe they go check out episode one. But then they realize, okay, you've had a journey in there. And then they kind of yeah, see, okay, yeah. there's definitely a journey in there, a progression. You upgraded your mic. You figured out that you need to sit a little bit further back or a little bit further forward. Mm-hmm. You realize how to get rid of echo. We do a lot of post-production to fix up the sound now we didn't do that with episode one to 100 let's say all these different things i mean we me and guillaume have a story where for our main podcast or our first podcast corporate treasure 101 the first we we didn't know how to record everything right but guillaume had this like uh, now look at you now look at you now yeah look exactly now. guillaume had this lapel uh, microphone oh, i don't God. know what from and it was two of us in a room we were both in belgium at the time and uh, we said, okay, we put the laptop in the middle. We clipped the the lapel mic here on the on the computer, plugged it in, and then started recording with GarageBand, which is the free recording software on MacBooks. And so we started going. We did the first recordings. I think we got to like episode seven before we realized that there was a setting in GarageBand to select the mic, and we weren't using that microphone. <laughs> we were using the laptop's built-in microphone the entire time. Oh. And so we were like, oh, that's there now. Let's start now. And actually, I think it's when we upgraded our mics. We got, we actually got these mics here and yeah. we plugged them in and we were like, wait, this sounds the same. What's, what's changed? This, why is this not working? Guys, and then we, we realized, ah, yeah, uh, yeah we, we hadn't selected the microphone. So indeed, um, now those first 10 episodes, however long it was, they're there. They're there up. They were passable. Let's say you can hear us, but it was, uh, yeah, it was a journey. It's always a journey, buddy. Tells the journey. That's the fun of it. It's a journey. <laughs> awesome. Seth, thank you so much for being on the show. But tell me, before we close, we started doing this thing where we asked podcasters to give shout-outs to other podcasters in the space that oh, yeah. they think are doing a great job. So if you had three uh, podcasts you'd love to shout-out to, either people you know, ideally, or just great shows that you love listening to, that you learn from, yeah. what would they be? Well, Ian Truscott's is great, you know. He's a past guest um, of the show. Rockstar yeah. CMO. It's great. I love it. You know, it's also the British accent. You know, the British Scottish accent. You can't go wrong with a British or Scottish accent. They're different, <laughs> but, you know, they're still different from us stupid American accents. His is really good. I like the morning stream. It's like a talk show. It's hosted by um, Scott Johnson and Brian Ivett. It's, 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 it's every single day. They live stream it. They're professional podcasters. That's what they do. They have Patreon out there and you pay, you know. Yeah, no ads and stuff. It's worth it. The LA Tech News Show is hosted by Tom Merritt of CNET fame. You know, he's kind of big on the tech world, so I subscribe to his stuff. And one more bonus one, Jason Falls is Winfluence. There's a book that goes with it, but Jason Falls is a Kentuckian through and through. 
He's got the twang. And he is a hoot. Yeah. He's, he makes you smile. He's this big dude with a big beard. And it's, it's just lovable. You want to hug him. I've actually yeah. hugged him before. So he's very <laughs> huggable. I wish I wish for the day I can hug Jason. We had Jason on the show. We oh, had Ian on the show. They're both great. Indeed. That's uh, yeah. so 100%. Seth, appreciate you a lot. And thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Amazing. Thank you for listening to the B2B Podcast Stories. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please don't forget to hit subscribe and check us out at jhamarketing.com. Have a great day.